Comics Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to the Linux Action Show, episode 461. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hello there, Noah. Guess what? We got a big show today. In fact, coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, it's a special treat. We're going to go behind the curtain of scale and see what it's like to really attend one of these events behind the scenes, what happens, some of the shenanigans that goes on. It's a really great look we're going to take. I've, I've already seen a little bit of the footage, and I'm very excited. So that'll be coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. This is going to be a big show for a couple of reasons. When we get into the news, we'll be talking about major upgrades to Wire, Telegram, and WhatsApp vulnerabilities. BeagleBone has a blue, a blue bone. We'll tell you what that is. And SmartWatch OS, maybe it'll re- finally, finally, actually bring the fight to Android Wear. Uh, maybe. Or maybe Noah's just extremely excited for no reason at all. Well, either way, we'll tell you what it is. And then in the feedback segment of the show, we're going to talk about something that involves the long... Well, we're going to talk about something important relating to the show. And we'd really like you to stick around for the entire show because uh, we think it's extremely important to hear what Noah and I are thinking about because we want to start the dialogue with the last audience as fast as possible. But before we get to all of that, Noah, do you know what we've got? The picks! We've got the picks, but man, first I gotta ask you, uh, where the hell are you right now? Where are you? I, I am on uh, I'm on Venice Beach. I, I, I didn't quite get enough of California at scale, so I, I came back uh, with, uh, you know, with the family. Uh, Dude, you didn't have later. to tra- travel all the way to California just so we could run the scale footage. I mean, I know you've been following local news and they like to go out on the scene, but we Listen, could have talked about me, scale from Grand you, Forks. You told me you wanted scale footage from California. Yeah, man, I meant I meant the footage that you shot while you were in California. You didn't have to go all the way to California. Well, I thought you wanted me to be in California to present the footage. Well, dude, I really appreciate your dedication to the show. I mean, you go the extra mile, though, that's for sure. Quite literally, actually. <laughs> all right, well, let's start with our picks this week. I thought this was a really fun one. Not, not only because it's badass, but also because there's a really funny hack that you're all going to learn about here in a moment. This credit card reader at a gift shop runs Linux. Now, the particular hardware brand is genius, but the manufacturer behind it that's actually deploying it is Venifone, which, uh, or Verifone, I should say, which is phone with an F, which makes a ton of this hardware and uses a lot of Linux. And when the thing reboots, you can see the Verifone splash up there in the top left, and then in the bottom right, they've got a, somebody Google-imaged Intel Tux. Hello? Hello? I think I just triggered Google. Sorry about you that, did. everybody. Sorry about that. Uh, so they did this image search and found this Tux icon, this PNG, and put it on there. I think this is awesome. But here's what I love, Noah, is there's a little trick you can pull. If you hold down the four corner buttons on the keypad, on the on the little like on the on the number keypad for like your pin code, uh huh. The four, so like I think that would be one, three, and I'm not sure if it's. Uh, I guess it would be the far corner. So it'd also be the X and the Enter. It will reboot, reboot, reboot. It'll reboot most of these types of little card readers. So if yep. you're in line and you want to screw with a person, you can. Oh, you knew this? You knew this? Well, we install them. We install them. So. Oh, I'm not telling you nothing. You didn't. So that is like a known thing. Like you hold down the corners and the damn things restart. Some of them are hold down the corners. Some of them are. There's a pin that you you enter to restart. But yeah, that just seems like a great way to troll people in line. <laughs> Takes a long time to restart. Does it? Too, so it is. Does it? It's kind of a great way to troll people. Did you know these run Linux? 
I didn't know. I, I, well, I, I mean, I guess I would have kind of thought they would, but I, I've never, I've definitely never seen the uh, the Tux, Tux, uh, Tux Linux inside logo. Yeah. Also, Open Protocol version four X man. It's got all, it's got all the protocols in there. <laughs> I don't and know. All open. I don't know what that's about. Oh man. So how's California been? No, what, what, what's the weather like down there? Because it's been uh, months and months and months of nothing but crap in Seattle. Bright, sunny, and eighty degrees. Which oh, is like I hate you! From the from the twenty degrees that we have in North Dakota, I should have flown down there, and we should have done the show in person. How come you didn't suggest that, dude? That's that's, that's what I'm saying. So you I should have thought of that. I I, was, I let you down. I'm Just sorry. so I grog, what's happened here? You have you have flown to scale from Grand Forks, then right. you have flown back to Grand Forks, which is not a direct right. flight. There's no direct flight no. No, from no, California. How many how many hours of flying is that? Just right there from going to scale. If, and then so back. It, just the flying alone is like five and a half hours, but then you have to add hour security on one end, two hours of layover, and then an hour to uncombobulate everything at the other end. So it's like really, it's like a nine-hour trip altogether. Dude, and now you're back in California, not even a week later. You're yeah, a maniac. Five days. I'm grateful. We like our the audio is pretty good. The video it sucks from time to time, but I can tell it's you. I can see the brown bear, so I know you're there. I know you're there. Hey, Noah, uh, I was just uh, doing a little digging yesterday at DigitalOcean.com, and I discovered that uh, I've got a few extra droplets these days, so I need a few ideas from the audience. So give me an idea, at Chris LES. I got two extra droplets. One's Arch, one's Ubuntu. What should I do with them? DigitalOcean.com. There's so many possibilities. I almost feel it's it's like my Plex server, dude. I got so many movies, I don't know which ones I actually want to watch. Back in the day when I had cable television, I just watched whatever they gave me. DigitalOcean.com. There's so many possibilities. If you're building something, if you're just trying out an open source project, or if you need immediate infrastructure, go check them out. Back end, front end, they don't care. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. All one word. Smoosh it together, kind of like you're slurring it. You apply that to your account after you've created it, and you get a $10 credit. Super simple, easy to get started, super fast, really nice interface, digitalocean.com. Do you remember what the last droplet was that you set up and what it does? I, interestingly enough, I do. It is a program called Casebox, which is an open source uh, case management software for um, for the the legal profession. And we set that up on a DigitalOcean droplet for a law office to take a demo of. And they're migrating from a uh, a proprietary piece of crap software called Practice nice. Master. Yeah, cool, and so, dude. And I was able to give that to them for free because it only cost me five bucks you, a month. So you just did the five, it. really? The five dollar because it's just for one yeah. office. Just yeah. I bet you, I bet you, ninety percent of my droplets are the five dollar a month droplets. Okay, I'm, I've I've been doing more and more for my personal ones at the twenty dollar a month. But you're right, Mo sure. the majority of mine would be five dollars too, just because they'd make one or two tasks. It's five hundred twelve megabytes of RAM. All of the storage is SSD, and you can apply more block storage if you need, up to 16 terabytes. All of that's SSD-backed. they got data centers all over the world. It runs on top of Linux using KVM as the virtualizer. You can deploy just a base Linux installation or the entire damn stack, like all the way up to the applications. Check it out at DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. It's one word. You apply it to your account. You get the credit. You, you just screw around for like two months with the $5 rig. Or, or my friends, try out the $0.03 cents an hour machine. Holy smokes. They got 40 gigabit E connections into these hypervisors. It just blazes, dude. You got to check it out. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code. Here's the thing. Big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this here, a Linux action show. I hate PDFs. I hate filling out PDFs. I hate, I hate it. I hate the proprietary format. I hate all of the uh, security vulnerabilities, that the vectors that they are. And yet, oh, no. just yesterday, dude. No, 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 no. Just yesterday, I found myself... Filling out a form on, on Linux. 
Now, I was using, and of course I'm blanking on the name, but I was using the, the default uh, uh, PDF viewer on Plasma Desktop, which uh-huh. works really well with uh, editing fields and whatnot, because I was filling out an RMA. Uh, but sure. I, wasn't, I was thinking about, like, if I was still on GNOME, what would I use to work with PDFs? Like, if I wanted to, like, take these documents that I filled out, and I want to get them into a digital format and send them off to the folks so that I can do an RMA, like, what would I have used on GNOME? And that, I was just asking myself that yesterday. I, I don't know what you'd use to fill PDFs out, but I can tell you what you'd use if you part. wanted to bring a bunch of, uh, if you had a bunch of like written documents or, or in, in our case, we had a, an entire office that had these boxes and boxes and boxes of documents and they wanted to get them into an electronic format so they could store them. And so we started using this software called uh, P, uh, G-Scan, G-Scan to PDF. PDF. Yeah. yeah, and basically what it is, it's a weird name, and basically what it does is the, the it has a, a GUI and you can just use it like a scanner app and it scans everything to PDF as you expect, but the real power comes in is the fact that you can use the command line and oh. so you can yeah so you can script the ability as long as you have a document feeder on the top of your scanner which these days you can pick up for 200 bucks or so you can set a stack of documents and have each one automatically scan uh with a with a bash script into a pdf and then store it onto a network share and so we're literally taking these boxes and boxes and boxes of paper documents and turning them into electronic format for this company and we were able to use a piece hmm. of software on linux to do it which interestingly enough we could not find anything they had looked and could not find anything comparable on windows to do this also supports by using other open source projects optical character recognition that's huge yes. I'd, I'd, yep, I'd like to yep, play with that there. too mm-hmm. uh you know i have uh I don't like talking about this, but you know, man, taxes, dude, taxes. Yeah. Like in the last year, I bought the I bought the RV, and so sure. I've got to take all of this paperwork for the RV and scan it in, and get it to the accountant, and all this stuff. That I I, I think to myself, I have in 2017. I know it's a little late for uh, for resolutions, but in 2017, I really feel like when I get big documents as they come to me, I've got mm-hmm. to scan them at that point. I've got to right. scan them, document them and store them somewhere. And what's always held me up is like, where am I going to store them? I don't want to use Evernote. I don't want to maintain NextCloud right now, but I've got to figure that out this year because this kind of stuff at this time of year, it it, it just adds all of this work going back and finding that paperwork and scanning it. And this could be a great tool to do a G-scan to PDF. I love the fact that it'll work nice with with the command line too. That's super slick. You could, for an office, you could really get some automation out of that. But also the fact that it it will work with the OCR software that you have installed on your machine if you got it. Right. So you scan to PDF. Nice, Mm -hmm. man. Good find. And funny that I was just dealing with PDFs just recently just thinking, oh, God, this feels so old. All right. So last week we said, you know, we're probably going to end the distro pick. And uh, that is true. We are going to, uh, we're going to, I think, I think we're just, we just cut it from this week's episode. But I, I, somebody suggested, and I kind of liked, if I'm going to, if we're going to go out on a bang with a distro pick, we had a lot of different, Redux OS came in a few times. We got a lot of different suggestions. I'm going to pick, you ready for it? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to pick Arch. I'm going to pick Arch Linux. Of course you're going to pick you Arch. You know what? I, I've, I, 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 you know this, dude. I've been thinking a lot recently about building the five-year workstation. I've been thinking a yep. lot about switching to KDE Neon or switching to Solus or, or switching to Ubuntu LTS. And I, I've, been, I've, been, I, I've been really stuck in this place about trying to figure out what my Linux distribution is going to be for the next five years for some of my workstations where I get most of my work done. And what I realized is in the meantime, I'm just getting work done on Arch. My main systems, my, my laptop, my, my, my workstation upstairs, the machine right here I'm sitting in front of, they're all still Arch because I just simply haven't had time to replace them. And 
you know, I'm I'm two and a half desktop uh, release iterations in now. I since since I since I decided to move over to Plasma on Arch, I I continually am thankful that I can get the software that I want from the AUR or the Arch repository. Uh, now that I'm looking at playing around with VR, I'm again thankful that I'm on Arch because I'm going to be able to run the Arch LTS kernel with the NVIDIA beta driver and the latest version of Steam, and I'll have H- the HTC Vive working under Linux with the kernel with kernel 4.10. Like all of this stuff just comes automatically with Arch. It's just what I get. And then the other thing that I really, 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 really like about Arch for like the last three years is I couldn't even tell you, I do know, like I have it in my notes, but I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head who runs Arch. And sure. I should probably know their name. I, and and I and just this past week, I looked into what their finances are. You know, they're just sitting on money. They have, there, there's, there is an Arch trust that is like properly managed and they use it sometimes to fund development and they use it to pay for monthly servers. There's no drama with Arch. There's no, there's no like not invented here syndrome with Arch. There's no political agenda with Arch. There's no need to take over that certain dominant, be a dominant player in a certain market. They, I I, I don't even know why they do it, Noah. I don't know why they do it, but they do it, Noah. They do it and they do it without the drama. They do it without all of the big hoopla. They do it without all of the big splashes. They do it without all the big fundraisers. They do it without all of the big PR reaches. They just every single day make a great Linux distribution that has the best application availability, that has some of the best spinoffs like Anna Gross. And it, I, I, here we are, and I like I've been thinking about my next five-year distribution, and all of the advantages of Arch seem to be outweighing the disadvantages of the other distributions to the point where, well, maybe I should just live with an occasional failure from time to time. I mean, I don't have a lot of them, so there you go. My last. And, and to be fair, I don't know that there is a distribution out there that doesn't have any failures, uh, it, that doesn't make significant compromises in another area yeah. to achieve these no significant failures. I, think I want to end my last distribution spotlight with this. I'm not saying arch for all of the things. In fact, I think one of the things I want to really, really underscore is recently I've reconsidered where I use arch and where I don't use arch. And in some cases, I felt like an LTS distribution is more appropriate. So I have a, I have shifted on my view of Arch a bit, but at the end of the day, if I was on an island and I could only pick one distribution, <laughs> this is a crazy scenario, uh, it would be Arch. It would be Arch. It would be Arch. Uh, now, thankfully, that is a manufactured reality that does not exist, and I get to pick from all of the other great distributions, and I use them appropriately for their use cases. But yeah, for the final distro spotlight... I feel like I'm going to say Arch. Now, that doesn't mean some people have misinterpreted this to mean that we're not doing reviews anymore. That's not true. We're just going to, we'll still do reviews. We're still going to talk about distributions. But in the pick segment, what we are doing right now, I'm ending it with Arch right there. Also, one quick shout out before we move on. The Google Summer of Code starts in just four days, and there's still many open source projects available. You want to get paid to work on open source over the summer? There's still quite a bit open. So uh, we have a link in the show notes, including uh, the Apache Foundation has projects that need done. Clef does, uh, C++. You've even the CERN Institute, uh, FFmpeg, uh, the FreeBSD guys. Apparently, they're, all, they're even willing to get it on. Go check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. If you're a student and want to get paid for uh, developing open source over the summer, this is a pretty easy way. Well, I wouldn't say easy, but this might be a great way to do it. So we'll have that linked. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com. Look for episode 461. And in the show notes, you'll find a link to all of those goodies. But no, with the picks all done, let's go pull back the curtain. 
recently saw the interviews from Scale, but what's it really like to go to one of the U.S.'s largest Linux events? We're going to go behind the curtain to give you a sense of what it'd really be like to travel there if you decided to put down your hard money, fly to crazy California, and stay there for a few nights to attend this big event. I'm really looking forward to this. I, I got a little peek, but I haven't seen the whole thing. I'll be watching it with you guys. But first... Let's thank Linux Academy for making this segment possible to begin with. These are major investments, and companies like Linux Academy make it possible for us to do this every single week. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. You have to go there to keep us going, to let them know you heard about it here, and you can sign up for a free seven-day trial. It's a platform to learn everything about Linux, from the big high-end IT-type stuff that runs on it to the nitty-gritty details like building packages, setting up firewalls, using directories, file permissions. I mean, the stuff, all the stuff you need to know. They have instructor mentoring, mentoring when ever you get stuck so they can have real human beings that work with you to solve your problems. If you're busy, they got a course scheduler that works with your cray-cray schedule. They have self-paced in-depth video courses on every Linux cloud and DevOps topic. You can just go right there and bookmark a single topic if you want to go back for a reference later on. And they have study guides and lesson audio that you can download and bring with you. They have practice exams to help you get ready for cert tests. They have iOS and Android apps to study on the go. And it's all about Linux, guys. It's created by Linux enthusiasts for Linux enthusiasts. This is exactly what you would want from a company like this. It's not some sort of like, well, let's just feature Linux because that's one of the things that makes people sign up. It's all they do, guys. It's all they do. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go there, learn more. If you're in a business and you want to learn about their team accounts, check out linuxacademy.com slash teams. But do me a solid, still hit that unplugged page, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. This is such an obvious way to grow your team's potential. Learn more at linuxacademy.com slash teams. Also, sort of recently in the news, if you want tips on troubleshooting EC2 connectivity, they got a recent blog post on that. Get that, learn more, sign up for a seven-day free trial, and all of it at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and a huge thank you to linux academy for sponsoring this here linux action show now we go back to scale this week on the linux action show i take you with me behind the scale curtain and i'll show you what i did when i wasn't at the conference the truth is the best part about these events are not the events themselves but rather the social aspect that happens once the conference hall is closed Plus, never-before-seen interviews from some of my favorite expos on the show floor. After arriving back into the U.S. at 11 p.m. the night before from Tokyo on a trip with my wife, I headed to the airport to catch a 5 a.m. flight. LA's 70-degree-plus weather was a welcome change to the 20 degrees it was in Grand Forks when I left. Before getting to work, I wanted to poke my head into the expo hall to get a sense of the vibe this year at scale. While I was immediately greeted with some familiar faces, the overall conference seemed to have shifted from one of community to more of a corporate-like event. After getting an initial lay of the land, I decided it was time to take a break and go get some dinner. The guys convinced me to try sushi for the first time. Hi. 
everybody. So after spending over a week in Japan, talking with the Japanese, speaking Japanese, and eating all the Japanese food, being around the Japanese culture, I still had managed to avoid eating uncooked fish. Now I come here to Scale, and Gabriel, one of my one of my one of my good friends from Scale, has convinced me to come to a sushi re restaurant and eat raw fish. In my own head, I can't believe I'm about to do this, but it's you know, just a spicy tuna roll. He's being a baby. Here's the thing. Be that as it may, raw fish. Be that as it may, the reality is I never pass up an opportunity to make show content. So we're gonna go ahead and do this. So. Ajimimashite. Notice. And we are going to eat a sushi roll. So we're going to pick it up. Oh, that is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. That's pretty damn tasty, huh? Yeah. Spicy. Pretty good. Now here, graduate. That is pretty damn tasty. Okay, let's not get carried away. This is a piece of Escalar. It is actually delicious. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, well, maybe we'll work up for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my ramen soup, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. If we, we graduate to that. I have officially eaten sushi for the first time. There's me. following day, I hit the conference floor with my feet running, looking for that System 76 booth so I could get an inside scoop of that new Galago. All right, we're back with System 76. Now, last week, we talked to you about what System 76, the company, was doing, and we kind of teased this. This is... I'll go ahead and say this is the, the, the most excited I've ever been about a System 76 product. I have a lot of laptops, I have a lot of desktops from them, but I, I think this is an entirely new generation of System76 products. This is the new Galago, the ultra-light uh, aluminum-based Ultrabook that, it, I mean, really, it's a MacBook killer. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we're, we're, definitely, we're definitely trying to give Mac a run for their money, so we're going to give everybody a different option and something that they can love and take with them and keep for years to come. This thing's going to be durable, it's going to be lightweight, and it's got enough power and enough speed to get your job done. Now the truth is, in media, you never. There's a little secret. You're never supposed to call anything a killer because that's. That, I know. That's my words. Yeah, not yours. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. You didn't say it. You didn't say it. you're safe. But I'm just saying you're never supposed to call it a killer. But I am going on record and saying I think this is going to be a MacBook killer. And let me explain why. First, you notice right here on this on the machine here we have the trackpad. It has an actual physical button. I really like uh, the the physical buttons because having used uh, having used laptops back from the days that we had physical buttons, I rest my my palm on here. And trackpads under Linux just don't have the the, the, the palm uh, detection that uh, some of the other manufacturers have, and so oftentimes that leads to a bad experience. And so these actual physical buttons are really good for somebody that wants to get work done. The actual overall design of this thing is fantastic. You don't see a lot of seams; they're all you know very well sealed up around the edges here. It feels very solid when I when I press on it; it, it doesn't squish at all. James, tell me a little bit about this keyboard because I know this. Even though this keyboard is fantastic, and it, I, you know, I typed on it, uh, you know, pretty extensively yesterday and today. Um, this keyboard is not the one that's going to ship. 
No, not completely. We're actually going to put a backlit keyboard on this. So low-level typing, night typing, you can get a little bit of color on this. You can see what you're doing, and you can definitely find your keys a bit faster. It's going to look gorgeous. That's absolutely outstanding. And uh, of course, we don't have any sort of Windows key or anything like that. It's, it's a, it's a full-on Ubuntu key. Um, the function keys, all of these are not software-based. These are hardware keys? Correct, yeah. All of the, all of the function keys are firmware-based. Firmware will disable the touchpad, adjust the screen, mute the audio. Many things do get grabbed by the by the operating system after the firmware sends them through the bus, but many of them are just handled at a firmware level and are completely independent. Now, here's where, so I, I think right on its face as far as build construction, all of that, it really reminds me of a MacBook Air, really looks fantastic, feels fantastic, functions fantastically. But here's where you start to set yourself apart. Tell me the price on this. This thing's $899 for the intro price. Okay, so to give you some comparison, the MacBook Air is like $999 and it comes with a 1366 by 768 display. Now the demo that we have here is a? This will be a 4K high DPI screen. This is our first prototype. It doesn't have the IDPI in it right now, but it will right. on production. But, but even this one is a 1080p. Yes, correct. Yeah. So we have we, this one has a 1080p. We're going. It's going up to a 4K display. So it's really going to compete on the MacBook Pro level um, as far as as far as the specifications. This does this does have integrated graphics. That's right. Yep, correct. Intel integrated graphics. The HD graphics right on chip. But here's and here's where we start to get ahead of the MacBook. So, on I think it's on this side here. We have a drop-down network jack. So you have a laptop that is literally. I mean, your product video is literally showing people stacking starbursts next to the computer. This thing is so thin. I mean, I can't put into words how thin this thing is. But even as thin as it is. We still have a drop-down Ethernet jack. You've got, uh, is this lightning? No, that's actually a, a Kingston lock. Oh, that is, okay. Is the, oh, here, this is, that's this it. Is, yeah. This will be a Thunderbolt port when everything is said and done, along with a traditional display port and an HDMI port. So you have both, so I can connect two different displays as well as a full-size HDMI connector. So if you're a business guy, if you're traveling, if you're going out to give presentations, this machine's going to plug right in to your display as well as we have a we have an SD card reader on this side. Do we have any ports on this side? Yeah, on the other side here too. We also have an additional USB port. Power buttons on the side too as well as the power input. Outstanding. And we have two separate audio jacks. So if you're a person that's doing any sort of video or audio production, you have the ability to put instead of that stupid combo jack, you have the ability to run headphones to an actual set of headphones and an actual microphone to an actual uh, an actual microphone. Um, and then we have a, a, a you know traditional barrel plug for the power. But overall a fantastic laptop. And when does this laptop ship? This will be out in August, so just, or April, actually. April, so just a few more months we'll have this ready for shipment. Outstanding. And you know when System76 says it's going to, come on over here, right? I have, I have one thing that we added, and it actually pushed the date. Uh, it's it, it's the Thunderbolt. Actually pushed the date. We're going to release it here at scale. And, uh, and then we decided, after doing some eGPU testing, mm -hmm. That the thunder we would include the Thunderbolt so that folks could go home, plug in a, a GPU mm -hmm. from an eGPU chassis, and have a full a dedicated graphics. Wow. So so that is something that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned. We we thought a lot about it and and we tr we tried it out and it, it's a it's a really really neat experience uh -huh. and it actually works quite well under Ubuntu. Um, we're we're actually we have a partnership with Nvidia and so we're it's going to be one of the things that we continually advocate for. But right now uh, it's it's not hot swappable yet. But you plug it in and you can and you boot the machine. It recognizes the G. 
GPU, and then you can be playing Steam, you know, games or or doing machine learning or you know simulating really complex systems on a on a laptop that is the size of a the thickness of a starburst like that is nuts so let me let me run through a scenario for you tell me if this is kind of what you guys are envisioning i have i'm a video editor i do a lot of video editing and i need but i also i travel between home and work and i go back and forth and so maybe i need a laptop that is cost effective enough that i can i can purchase it with you know and and take a chance on editing on linux yes. because if that's not something that's done you know at, yeah. at scale <laughs> <Ba -bum>. <laughs> <laughs> Not something that's on its scale at the moment, but oh. but but I but yeah, at the I, I, okay. So I, I I don't jump on Linux Unplugged to argue with Chris every week, okay. but I need you to know that lots of editing is actually done on Linux. Oh, I know, I do it. No, I know. I'm saying <laughs> and it works. I'm saying professionally. Yeah, okay. We have customers <laughs> who are doing this who are making things like freaking for uh, like the Harry Potter films mm -hmm. and stuff like that. We know that for a fact. So it's it is it does happen. Sure. It's just not at it's not at our level. And in his defense, I, I don't think he's ever claimed that 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 video editing on Linux is impossible. I think that his stance is simply that it is not as efficient as doing it on some other platforms. And so if you're pressed for time, right. that you know that and we can have the and discussion. It's, uh, and it's you know, not as cheap. It's not as cheap. The guys who are doing this are some of them are paying for ridiculously priced software sure. that's like sure. only used by a handful of studios. Right. And I that's, just uh, wanted to push back on that. Yeah, 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 sure. And I mean, he's doing, you know, if you're talking about, you know, the, uh, our discussion was, you know, focused on, you know, vlogs and stuff. But but all that aside, let's say you're using something just like KDN Live, which is available for everyone, um, and you wanted to take a chance on, on doing like a daily vlog editing on Linux, and you wanted a cost-effective computer, but at the same time, you wanted that, that oomph of a, a dedicated GPU. Are you telling me I could buy two GPUs for a couple hundred bucks, put one at home, put one at the office, and then take this laptop, and when I'm at a coffee shop and I'm browsing the internet, checking my email, now I have an Intel graphics card. And when I go back into my office, I sit down to get some work done, I plug that sucker in, I boot that baby up, and now I'm video editing on a dedicated GPU? That is precisely what I'm telling you. And you're telling me that's available for $8.99? That's correct. In April? In April, yes. Oh my god. Uh, one more thing. Uh, there is a uh, sign up on the website to be notified as soon as it's available. And there, and I, I don't know this for certain, but there may be perks mm -hmm. from being on that uh, newsletter. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage people to go ahead and drop their name in there just in case there's a special perk for being one of the guys who, who uh, saw value in this early. Sure. Now, James. I got, I got to ask you a personal question. Go for it. You, I know it's System76. You guys obviously use System76. Oh, yes, of course. I of love course. those things. Of course. So is this a computer that you would consider for yourself? This is perfect. I think I would actually go with the Oryx myself. But this is a, I, I like the NVIDIA graphics. I like that extra power. Uh -huh. I don't mind slapping around a little bigger. I like the screen size, too. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm much more happy with the 17-inch. Let me ask you this. Are you, I'm a guess. You don't do a lot of flying. No. Because the, the, the trays on airlines... Know, right? They don't fit the 17s, they, right? They don't. They barely fit 15-inch. And so something like this, I mean, you've been, we've been doing this interview, we've probably been on the air for maybe, what, 10 minutes? And you've been holding this thing with one hand. How's your arm feeling? It's fine. This thing's only a pound and a half, not even. I mean, the thing's super light, 
very easily portable. You don't have to worry about dropping it and having it explode on you because it weighs 10 pounds. Right. I'm not going to fumble this, you know? You know, this is a computer that you can take stuff between the couch cushions, whatever, and it's just always on, on your, you can always have it on your person. It goes on an airline. It fits inside of a train. I spent a lot of time on a train oh, the yeah. past couple weeks, and so, you know, lap space in front of you is very, very limited. Something like this is absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, for the longest time, I think what people have been looking for in the last couple of years, you've seen this trend, right? In Best Buy, there for a while, if, you know, HP and Toshiba and all these companies are making these plastic uh, large notebooks with dedicated, you know, number pads and stuff. And and then the trend shifted a couple <laughs> of years ago, and we have been watching people go. They want aluminum chassis. They want thin. They want no optical drive. They, you know, they want uh, they want small portable without a keypad. And the, and I asked Carl two years ago at scale. I said, Carl. I would, I will swear by System76, own one, take one everywhere I go, if you give me a 13-inch Ultrabook, will that ever happen? And he said, no, that's never going to happen. Oh. And this year, oh. <laughs> and this year, and here we, we are. here we are, and we have a 13-inch aluminum Ultrabook that not only matches the specifications of the MacBook, but in my personal opinion, exceeds the specifications of a MacBook. Oh, easily. With the power you can put in this, this thing will hold up to 32 gigs of DDR4 RAM. I mean, that's amazing. That's better than any of the MacBooks right now. You mm -hmm. can run that many more virtual machines. It also has an i7 processor as one of the options. One of the, uh, we're all seventh gen processors on every single one of our lineups. All of our laptops have the brand new KB Lake stuff. So, I mean, you'll be able to get whatever you need done, done. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for what you guys are doing. Thank you for this computer. I already bought one. Did you really? Yeah. Well, they're not available to Pro. Well, they're not available for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the list. <laughs> you know somebody. Yeah, I know somebody. <laughs> well, this is absolutely fantastic. I think this product, I, I, seriously, guys, I really think this product is going to set you guys in, in, a, in a completely different direction because I think you guys, uh, this, is, this is the first computer that I've seen that I think easily not only matches but exceeds what people expect from a MacBook. And I think that if you, as those developers are, I mean, we call it the Mac Exodus, right? They're yep. jumping off right yep. and left. And now you guys have given them a landing spot where they can land hardware, well-built hardware that I think they can feel comfortable purchasing for a cost-effective price and get all of their work done and then add some extra stuff on the side to make it even cooler. Yeah, and it runs Ubuntu. And you don't have to worry about virtual machines. You can right. actually do your development natively. Right. And it's supported for the lifetime of the product. Anytime you have an Ubuntu question, you call us. It's free. It's it's included with the laptop for the lifetime of the system. I mean, who else is giving away technical support like yeah, that? They, they don't, but the, but the, who, what other company? Ha, the, the, the difference between System76 and, and the Dells or the Lenovo's or whatever, even, even in the Windows world, is that the people at Dell are not passionate about Windows. The people at Lenovo are not passionate about oh. Windows. I, I To some degree, I think even the people that work at Apple aren't necessarily passionate about Mac OS. They're passionate about iOS. And you guys eat, live, and breathe breathe Ubuntu and it, 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 it and you know as I'm walking around the conference I'm seeing all of these MacBooks pop up yeah. and what that tells me is that if you're a developer and you're working on a you know like an like an operating system and you have XYZ OS and you're telling me about XYZ OS while you're running it while you're while you're playing with your your MacBook and Mac OS uh, I have to question if you have run into the same bugs that I'm going to run into because while you're sitting on macOS, I'm running your operating system, and I don't want, you know, really where things get fixed is where developers scratch an itch, and so as you guys are using your own hardware with the operating system that you guys recommend, which is Linux, and you guys find these problems, then you guys are going upstream, you're talking to people, you're getting firmware fixes, all of this stuff is happening, no other company is doing that. The, the most interesting thing, though, that I found here was uh, I kept pulling aside people who were 
who had MacBooks. Mm -hmm. And what I found is an actually super interesting trend and what I've had at least 10 people tell me in regards to this machine today was that they're running Linux on their MacBooks. Yeah. Which is which is is nuts, mm -hmm. but uh, they but they t every single one of them told me I have already decided to move to this machine because the the only thing I wanted was a nice aluminum thin right. yeah. laptop. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, so I'm excited at being able to tell developers who have hardware preferences, you know, for, for that type of build, mm -hmm. that this is something that you can you can replace and not feel like you lost. In fact, you gain ports. And I know Mac people don't really know what that is, but like, it's these things that you plug uh, components into and accessories. And like stuff. dongles? No, 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 no. I like dongles because you don't need multiple ones. You don't have to daisy chain them. It's yeah. Ethernet port. So do you need a separate dongle for the, like, it looks like there's different dongles connectors like I need a separate <laughs> dongle for each one of those no, those are called standards and those are in the and there's different ones for different types of accessories yeah. that's absolutely fantastic thank you guys so much we really appreciate your time Ryan uh, and James thank you so much for taking the time to oh, speak with thank us you. yeah definitely much appreciated we love you too thanks for coming by well we'll, uh, we'll definitely we want to get one of these in we want to review it uh, and take a look at it when uh, when they're available in April it's all yours Just thank you the word. thank you guys appreciate it yeah take it easy man now that Galago was pretty sweet, and I took my sweet time playing with it off camera. But then I found another booth, somebody who would help me out in a past episode, and I wanted to say hi. A couple of months ago, you might remember on the Linux Action Show, we did a how-to on Discourse, setting up Discourse. And as part of that, I found a service called SmartPost that does basically, it, it's, a, it's a service that you can use uh, for free, at least for, you know, for, the, for the first tier, um, where you can send emails. And so the automated email process for Discourse has been using SmartPost. Now, since that tutorial, I've used SmartPost for a number of different things. And walking through scale, I ran into Adrian, who works for SmartPost. How are you, Adrian? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. So I got to tell you, I have everything, all of my experience with SparkPost has been phenomenal because you took what was, what what seemed to me was going to be very, very complicated, right? To, to, to take all of this stuff and this entire backend infrastructure and you've condensed it down into literally, I sign up for an account and I grab an API key. Exactly, and that's that's really what we've been trying to do uh, since we launched SparkPost about two years ago. Oh, so you're, you are a relatively newer company then? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been around in the email industry for over 15 years sending email as uh, message systems with our on-premise software momentum. Uh, and basically we took that uh, that software, put it in the cloud, and called it SparkPost. Mm -hmm. So we make sure everybody has access to use it without having to set up you know, their own infrastructure. Now, one of the things that immediately stood out to me as fantastic uh, on SparkPost was your dashboard. It is so intuitive, easy to navigate that. Tell me a little bit about how you have taken, how you've designed that dashboard and how that is set up for people that, like me, who have not dealt with mass email services. Yeah, I mean, uh, the dashboard has really evolved a lot over uh, the last couple of years. We've done a lot with uh, community feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been at conferences taking feedback. We've been at hackathons, uh, finding out what it is that people want to see. Uh, so we've really adjusted that for what the community has been asking for. Mm -hmm. uh, but the best uh, part has been uh, the reporting uh, dashboard. Right. And so that's where you can drill into at the campaign level. Mm -hmm. You can see opens, clicks, uh, things like that. And that's really what people want to see at a glance. And mm -hmm. so we've tried to cater towards that. 
Now, do you have a solution? Because I've only, I've basically, I've used SparkPost uh, exclusively as, I take that IPA key, I stick it into whatever it is I'm doing, and then that generates emails, and I'm using it a number of different places. Um, but you alluded to, uh, to this idea of like mailing lists and, and campaigns and stuff. Is that something that can be done exclusively through SparkPost, or does that need to tie into another service? Uh, so we kind of do, uh, like a low-level campaigns where whenever you send a transmission, you can uh, assign a campaign ID to it, mm -hmm. and that just really helps out for reporting. You get that information back in webhooks, mm -hmm. uh, you get that with the message events, and it's just a quick way to find you know emails that go together. Mm -hmm. um, with the API, so our RESTful API, you have templates, mm -hmm. so you can set up templates with substitution data, uh, and then you can also tie that to recipient lists where each recipient holds uh, substitution information like name, uh, address, anything you'd want to stick into the email. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a membership level, you can put that in there. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's all available with our, our RESTful API. Mm -hmm. It sounds like what you're using is um, our SMTP. Yes. So where you're just putting in our, our server and your yep. credentials and, and going. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's great, and that's a great way to get people up and running with SparkPost really mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a whole set of kind of more advanced features that are available using our our, our RESTful API. Okay. T tell, give me give me some examples of where I could use that RESTful API. Uh, yeah, so instead of using SMTP to, okay. to trigger the email, we have the transmissions endpoint, which you can hit and send the email. Now you can inline uh, HTML and use our substitution strings mm -hmm. uh, to to uh, you know, fill in information, or you can just point directly to a template file. So it just depends how you want to do it. So if you have a separation of, you know, I want my designer to put together my template, mm -hmm. and then the person who's sending an email to just reference it, you can do that. Those are some things that they can do. Uh, if you don't want to inline your recipients, because we re usually recommend about sending to 10,000 people at a time if you're inlining. Uh, you can send to a lot more if you put them all into a recipient list. Sure, sure. You have to, you have to forgive me. I just, it's amusing to me because you know, I deal at such a, at such a small scale. Um, I think the largest thing I've used as SparkPost was like a couple thousand people. Right. So like, you know, when you t start talking about like 10,000 being the low end, I'm like, holy cow, you guys are, <laughs> you got, but it, what it tells me is that you guys are really built for, for large scale. Yeah, I mean, last month alone, we sent about 10 billion emails. Wow. Yeah, so we typically send about 25% of the world's legitimate email. Outstanding, and I know one of the, one of, one of the I know from, from using it and from signing up, a big thing to you guys is staying away from spam. There's a lot of, there's a lot of controls and, and things that are in place to make sure that, that if, if I sign up for an account and I'm using a service, that every email that sends is something that, that I'm sending and so that attackers can't get into that account and start using your service to harass people. Yeah, so we really encourage everybody to set up DKIM. That's a, that's a great way to authenticate that it's you that's sending it. It helps with your inbox placement, especially with like Gmail and, and the other services. Um, but then also, like we have a, a great team of awesome deliverability experts on the back end, making sure that spammers don't join our account, send a whole bunch of messages, and ruin the reputation of everybody who's using the system. Right. Uh, so we have a lot of automated processes that scan uh, links for you know fishy fishy type links. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of policies in place to to just help keep those off there and keep the service clean. That's absolutely fantastic. As a side note, I know I noticed on your presentation machine here, you know, one of the things uh, this year that has been different from from past years at scale is there's an, an uptick in MacBooks. And I came and I was kind of surprised that you weren't using a MacBook. Apparently, a MacBook wasn't cutting it for you guys. I mean, I love I love my MacBook. I'm I'm a Mac guy. You know, to a, to a fault, I guess. Sure. Uh, but we have this wonderful presentation machine that's a, a touchscreen monitor from Dell, and. Uh, 
the driver, there are no drivers for the touchscreen interface for a Mac. Uh, we've been carrying around this uh, Chromebook for a long time because we wanted that to be, you know, it's something cheap that we can put into our event kit. And I just decided to, to plug it in and, and lo and behold, like all the touch stuff worked. And so it's been great because I'm not really tied to being behind the booth. I can come out there with the people, mm -hmm. touch the screen and, and, and move from thing to thing, uh, screen to screen. Uh, so it's been really great. Tell me a little bit about what is uh, being demoed here on this machine. Uh, so we've tried to keep it really simple for, for people coming out to events, and so everything we give is a, uh, is a website. Uh -huh. uh, and so we just have it displayed in full screen mode. Uh, funny story, uh, one of the kids who was here for Kids Day showed me how to put it into full screen mode. <laughs> So the last year, it's not been, uh, and so it's, it's, it's great, but we just try to display our, our GitHub organization page so you can kind of see the client libraries we have out there. Uh, we try to pick some key uh, web pages from our website to put up there. Uh, it's been, it seems like it's been really important this year that people understand how to do SMTP. Uh, so one of our interns wrote a great blog post on using SMTP with Gmail, and so I put that blog post up front and center. It's always nice to show code samples of how to, how to send our information, and then uh, we have kind of the, we display the dashboard so people can see the metrics we report on and things like that. Speaking of tutorials, what I, uh, when I first walked up to you, one of the first things that we started our conversation off with is that you guys actually have a tutorial for using Discourse. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, so back during uh, the Mandrel migration, or I guess whatever you want to call it, uh, we saw an uptick in people asking questions about using Discourse. I guess a lot of people who use Mandrel or use Discourse was using Mandrel to, to handle that sign-up process. Um, one of our engineers uh, caught a hold of that, uh, figured out how to install Discourse uh, using DigitalOcean, mm -hmm. and then wrote a, a nice little tutorial on how to set up uh, Discourse to use SparkPost. Outstanding. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. And thank you so much for what you guys are doing. You know, being a company that has been around for two years, I'm really excited to see where you guys go because it seems like you have a lot of opportunity ahead of you and you, uh, you're definitely delivering on, uh, on an easy to use product that can get you off the ground with almost no experience, well, literally in my case, no experience at all. And I was able to get it up and running. So really excited to see where you guys go. And thank you for the time, Adrian. People want more information, where can they go? Uh, they can go to uh, sparkpost.com or developers sparkpost.com uh, and check us out on Twitter at, at sparkpost. At sparkpost, Adrian with sparkpost.com. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. All right, so it is after we are done at the conference and um, this is Joey. Say hi, Joey. Hey, guys. Joey's hanging out with me and we are on our way to go pick up uh, Gabriel and then we are going to head out, uh, maybe pick up a couple other friends too. We haven't gotten back to us yet, but um, and then we are going to head out for Indian food. I love Indian food. Anytime I travel, I have to go try out the local Indian restaurant. There's a really great place in Torrance, California. So we're going to drive out there and, uh, and give it a shot. I'll let you guys know how it is, but it uh, should be a fun time. Do you like the conference today? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was I, great. I, I thought so, too. I, I get a lot of interviews and saw a lot of Linux. And, uh, of course, spent some time with the System76 folks and checked out their new laptop, a aluminum, all-metal aluminum Ultrabook. That thing is cool, man, I tell you what. It is It is the next level. I think it's really going to be cool. Did you see that Ultrabook? Oh, yeah. I want that. Yeah, me too. $899, man. Can you believe that? That's, that's $100 cheaper than the MacBook and has a nicer screen than the MacBook. Yeah. And uh, and has the ability to have an external GPU, so you get the, the size and portability of an Ultrabook with the power of a of a uh, of discrete graphics if you, if and when you need it. It's pretty cool. So off to Indian food. 
To say that Sunday started out rocky would be the understatement of the century, but I did make it back to scale in time to do Last Live with Chris. Overall, Scale 2017 was a huge success. I had a ton of fun, and I can't wait to come back. But if you think that you missed out, don't worry, you have another shot, so to speak. Linux Fest Northwest 2017 in Bellingham, Washington on May 6th and 7th. Now this is Jupiter Broadcasting's home Linux Fest, which means we'll be streaming live from the floor as well as pulling interviews from the Expo Hall. So go ahead and get registered, book your hotel rooms, and come out and say hi to us. And a huge thank you to the entire Scale team for having Jupiter Broadcasting at Scale 2017. It's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Oh, it's Ting. Go to last.ting.com, support the show, get 20 bucks, maybe a little more, maybe even 25 bucks if Ting just, you know, they're going to throw in that five bucks. When you go to last.ting.com, they'll just take it off a device, or they'll give it to you in service credit. You go to last.ting.com to support the show and get the credit. Ting is mobile that makes sense. My mobile service provider, Noah's mobile service provider, Noah's in California right now. He's honey badger. He's like, you know what? Look, Chris, I'm just on this uh, hotel Wi-Fi. And I said, Noah, stop it. Stop it, Noah. Stop it. Get on your Ting Wi-Fi. Do a little tethering. Let's see how it works. And Noah, he has he has no downside because it's not like he has to, like, call up Ting and ask permission to check the box in his operating system. He doesn't have to worry about, like, engaging on some sort of, like, shared data plan. It's just pay for what you use wireless. And that's what I love about it. It's just pay for what you use. $6 for the line plus Uncle Sam's cut, whatever that is. That, it, that depends on where you live at. But Uncle Sam's cut is somewhere in there. But $6 for the line, then you just pay for what you use. Minutes, messages, and megabytes. Now, uh, what, what are, you, are you on the Samsung over there? Is that what it was? I am. I am. I'm on the S6. I had a brief stunt with the Moto when my Samsung was acting up. But after a factory reset and, uh, and an update, uh, we're, it's, it's, it continues to work. So still with it. I got the 6P for a little while. I've ba- I'm back on the 6P, uh, which is nice because with Ting, it's just like I pay for when I use it. So I've got a SIM that I kind of float around, and that's really nice because I can pick from CDMA or GSM. They have both networks. I pop it in the uh, Nexus 6, which supports both networks. And then for a little while at least, I'm uh, living the USB-C lifestyle with the Nexus 6P on the Ting network. You can start by going to last.ting.com to learn more, see how much you would save. They have great customer service, too, if you ever need it. And I love their blog. They just recently did a a batch of giveaways. You can find out about future giveaways. You can find out about cutting the cord or some really great, valuable smartphones when you visit the Ting blog. But start at last.ting.com. Go there right now for me, won't you? Just to support the show, to keep us going, let them know, yeah, I've heard your ads. I might not be ready yet, but I'm curious about Ting, and I want to support the Linux Action Show, so I'm going to visit last.ting.com. Thank you for doing that, and thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Check them out. Try the What Would You Save? Read the blog. Follow them on Twitter. There's all kinds of devices they're giving away. Last.ting.com. So we have a special treat this week. Noah put together a lot of the news, and uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty spot on. And I, I'm pretty impressed because you did it while on the road, Noah. Like, look at you, ninja. So this week we have a a major upgrade to Wire. What's going on here, Noah? So every week that we talk about the various different messaging platforms like Telegram, um, 
every, there's always somebody in the audience that reaches out oh, and yeah. says, hey, have you heard of Wire? Have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? And we're going to get to another story a little bit later on to tell you why we may have should have been paying more attention to some of these uh, <laughs> applications. But Wire is kind of pulling itself ahead in a unique way. And that is that they offer calling. And this week, there was a major upgrade to Wire. And the the uh, the calling feature actually got a huge upgrade. So the article here, which we got from Medium.com, says that um, call quality is just one of the aspects of a great calling experience. Echo, uh, echo, delay, dropped calls have all been improved. Yeah. Also, right. these and, calls are end to end encrypted, which is key. Right. So as you're making calls with other people, you're able to to communicate securely and, and efficiently. But I had a chance to play with this. I actually got Wire installed on my phone here while I was uh, playing in the hotel. One of the downsides, I'll tell you right off the bat, is like we were talking about, I think, last week. Um, one of the downsides is, is, is it does require a phone number yeah. to register an account. But yep. once you have an account, you can do everything right over VOIP. So it's kind of like a Skype replacement if you're using it for personal uh, communication stuff like that. I think it's it's a great alternative. And the calls I tested it both on Wi-Fi and over LTE. Calls connected immediately. I was going from my S6 over to a Nexus 5, and I was able to uh, I was able to do the voice call, video call. Uh, it's great. Um, it works really really well. Um, hmm. And so yeah, I'll tell you what I've been thinking about doing is I've been I've been thinking about grabbing a couple of lines for Abby and Dylan, my two oldest kids, and uh, not so they can make calls all the time, but so that I can set them up with wire. And then use oh, Wire sure. to chat back and forth with them because uh, it's either that or Telegram or Duo or something like that. All of these require phone numbers. Uh, so, you know, if you put yourself in that position, would you, would you put your kids on Wire? Is this something you think could be easy to use or is there other solutions? Yeah, I would. I, there was there was uh, there were two of them I played with. I can't remember which one had the the. I had I have Riot and I have Signal. I can't remember which one I was using for that had the better that had the uh, the video call. One one wasn't working with video. One was, um, and I think that both of them are probably better alternatives than Skype or Duo. Uh, the thing I like most about them is most of these newer services that are coming out are very decentralized, and so they offer both the server component as well as the client component as open source. So you can you can run it yourself, or you can just use their centralized service if you choose. Oh, okay. So uh, Wire would get the uh, thumbs up in uh, Noah's book then? Absolutely. In fact, I am I am on Wire right now, and I actually got a couple messages. The Wire does the same thing that Telegram does. When you have a contact that that has that also has Wire, you will get a push notification when that person signs up or when they sign into Wire. And so, as soon as I signed up for Wire, I immediately got a couple of suggested chats, and they said, you know, these are your contacts that already yeah. have Wire. Say hello, which is great. And then I knew that I could connect with those people, and I was able to talk to them. And so far, I found it to be very comparable to Telegram, minus the fact that there aren't as many people on wire as there are on Telegram. And the added call it feature, calling feature is, of course, gives it a leg up now. Hmm. That's, I mean, I'm I'm almost skeptical, Noah, because you're such a Telegram advocate. I'm almost I, I skeptical. Have, have, Telegram's still pinned to the bottom and wire is still in the applications menu. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. So, but you're willing to run both. Yeah, yeah, I'm on both of them. In fact, what I'm thinking about using is Telegram. My username, you know, has has been out there. And I mean, I, I mentioned it on the air last week, but even before that, a lot of people had it. So I'm kind of using Wire at this point as kind of a close family and friends uh, communication tool. And I'm leaving myself open kind of on Telegram for, you know, the rest of the world, so to speak. Hmm. And I'm going to kind of try it in that way for a little bit and, and see how that works. I could I could definitely see doing that. Yeah, and I and wire. If you're if you're keeping wire for friends and family, that almost seems like the one you would want to be more confidential than the one that's your public right. persona. 
Huh. Right, it's also the one I care about more. So interestingly enough, uh, also this week, uh, you know, I had been uh, back at scale. There was obviously a huge movement towards ARM architecture, and a mm. lot of people are moving that direction. They're looking for these ARM embedded devices, and there's a there's a there's a big discussion. In fact, the entire first night at dinner, the entire discussion was which one of the ARM devices is is best for Linux and and is best mm. for, and then they would insert their pet project mm. and be actually has a new device out. They're calling it the BeagleBone Blue. And what this is, is a ARM-based computer that is specifically tailored towards um, robot computing. Oh. And so, yeah, so it's a 1 gigahertz ARM Cortex-A8. It has 512 gigs of DDR3 RAM has, of course, the power management, um, and it, it, it comes with uh, flash storage pre-programmed with Debian Linux. And this entire machine is designed uh, for real-time performance, flexible networking, and a reliable set of features that are oriented specifically uh, towards building robots. Also, uh, Node.js. <laughs> like, let me just throw <laughs> that in there. Uh, 512 megabytes of DDR3, not bad. Not bad at all. It's got an ARM, it's got an ARM Cortex uh, M3. All right, all right, and they uh, of course, they of course have all the uh, all the connectivity you might want. So let's see how much it is. I'm gonna let's let's go take a little look. So you got to pick your distributor. I'm gonna go with Element 14. So and one of the things I really like about the BeagleBone is I am not much of an ARM person myself, but every time I speak to somebody that is heavily in the ARM world, I always get a really positive reaction when we talk about the BeagleBone, and specifically yes. when they compare the BeagleBone to yep. the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, a yeah. lot of the ARM enthusiasts, you know, they're much more uh, enthusiastic about the the BeagleBone. Man, look at this! This is really this is a great graphic that kind of breaks it all down. This is super nice. Uh, this is going to be linked in the show notes if uh, you guys dig through there. But uh, yeah, so this is going to have 512 megabytes of DDR3 RAM, a four gigabyte eight uh, bit onboard flash storage, two 32 bit 200 megahertz programmable real time processor units. It has a uh, onboard Debian flash. I think that's probably I, they don't say what the storage is, but that's that's the that's the built-in uh, uh, OS. 802.11 BGN networking for your uh, wireless. No, yeah, it's not bad, dude. So and look, yeah, and looking at this and looking at the graphic you have pulled up, it looks like one of the big things that differentiates this from. You might ask, well, what makes this specific towards uh, uh, specifically suited towards the use of programmable robots? And one of the things they have is things like. Uh, four volt dc motor drive so they have the uh, and and servos so you have the ability to attach this thing at least according to this diagram you can attach this thing to your different uh, to your different motors and, and servos and stuff and push buttons turn switches and activate motors hmm. interesting I, I good find good find i we have one more news story to get to uh which is good because i'm not i feel like i'm not ready for our big conversation and the feedback like i still yeah. haven't wrapped my head around that are you dreading it a little bit, a little bit. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about. Let's talk about. I got a smartwatch on. I've had one for a while. I've put it back on recently, uh, and so I'm always. I'm always kind of now back. Like all of a sudden, boom! And Google's noticed. It shows up in my Google Now cards. I'm. I'm right. sort of following the smartwatch OSs again, looking for maybe a Linux OS that could really, really uh, sh to shine. But right now, Android Wear seems to be it. But uh, Swatch is working on its own smartwatch OS. 
They are. And the, the interesting thing is we uh, we are often skeptical anytime somebody comes in and says they want to play in the mobile field because we don't know that there is necessarily an opening. It seems <laughs> like that's pretty well locked down by yeah. iOS and Android. Now, when it comes to wearables, I think that's not necessarily the case. I, there are people that use their Apple Watch because they bought an iPhone and it works compatible with the you know the iPhone. There are people that bought the, the Galaxy Gear and of course now you know it's it, it's they're a little bit more able to intermingle. But there has never been anyone save the pebble that has come out where you get people that are really enthusiastic about their smartwatches and Swatch aims to change that. Um, the hmm. the article from TechCrunch talks about how it, you know they're you know they're anytime somebody comes out and says they have a, an operating system dedicated to uh, you know mobile wearables they're skeptical but this company uh, and I uh, and and I, I is it made by Tag or is the company is the company Swatch so I think Tag, Tag I think owns the, Swatch. Yeah, the, yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, I'm not like a watch guy, but that seems to be my understanding. And basically what they've done is they've made a modular wearable watch, and they are custom designing an operating system specifically tailored for a wearable, which – you know, if you if you can if you can tackle this or approach this from an independent side rather than saying it needs to be tethered to the phone, right? Where we can get to a point where the operating system of the watch itself is capable of taking over all the functionality without having to use an app on a phone. I think that makes the wearable, you know, a much more approachable device, and I think it makes it a much more sellable device. I think too. Uh, you know, I, I can't really picture what it would end up being, but I. I like the idea of something that's detached from the overall ecosystem, the overall tracking system, the overall monitoring system, something that is just standalone that could run on a watch. Uh, because right. <clears throat> back on the smartwatch now after, I don't know, six months of not using one, I want the, a couple of things I, I really like are that while I'm driving, I can, I can manage my podcasts, I can set reminders, and I get my step counter stuff. And it's, it's just kind of like, I like that. But that doesn't make it necessarily require Android Wear or, right. or uh, Watch OS or, or even a Pebble. Like, it could be any particular operating system. So I think I agree with you, dude. I think the, the market is still sort of ready for, the, for something to come along. I don't know if a Swatch is going to nail it. Uh, but it does seem like whatever they come up with is going to be Linux-based. So I'll be watching for a while to see what they... See what they say. I'll be interested in the wearables. Like I said, if they can come up with something, as they claim, a ground-up solution where they're not just trying to make it an accessory to the cell phone where it is its own device. Yeah. Because that's really what set me apart with Google Glass was that it was it was totally functional, independent of a smartphone. But didn't it require I, it, a smartphone for any data? It required the smartphone. Yes, it did. Well, no, it had a Wi-Fi chip in it. If you wanted cellular data, oh, okay. it didn't have its own cellular chip. And then the other thing was is to initially set it up, you had to use the phone. But then once I had that done, as long as I had Wi-Fi, I could use the I could use the glass independent of the phone, and that made it a very useful tool. And it was the first disappointment in the LG Watch that was Android Wear Watch was that anytime it was if it wasn't connected to the phone, it was it was useless. Yeah, but that same watch now has you can connect right. to Wi-Fi. But right, yeah, I, I I do tend to agree with you. The current wearable stuff it's sort of just a a a, a, a watch supplemental interface mm-hmm. or i mean a phone supplemental interface right um hmm. well i don't we'll see I, I find this whole category to be fascinating also just just for your your information in the show notes we will have linked uh checkpoints disclosure about the potential vulnerabilities that allowed hackers to take over the base ios and android os that then from there, they were able to compromise WhatsApp, Telegram, and others. You might have heard recently in the news that Telegram was compromised or WhatsApp was compromised. 
in reality, the core OS was compromised. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read through this, and of course, this is probably better suited for your TechSnap program, but we will have a link if you're curious from Checkpoint in the news segment. But that's all the news for this week. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. Good on you for making it this far into the show. Look at you, you long-form content lover. You better admit it. We have some great feedback, and we have something that we we don't really want to talk about, but we have to talk about. Uh, but first, I want to thank System76 for sponsoring this here segment, System76.com. You go over there, and you find yourself a machine built, born, created, designed, supported. Ooh. Supported. Supported to run Linux. This is something that I think is probably maybe maybe the most important aspect of System76. In fact, Noah and I were just talking about this while that uh, interview with them was playing. Is It's not just that they are doubling down on their effort to uh, domestically manufacture these systems. It's not just that they have this new Galago Pro that looks like a totally killer system. It's not just they have a whole line of laptops that are built to run Linux. It's the fact that they actually love Linux. That's really the that's the differentiator. How do you put that on the side of a box? But it, it matters to me. You don't, me, you and don't really get it either until you visit them and right. see it firsthand. Yeah. But it matters to me, and it probably matters to most of you. System76.com. Go get a desktop, a laptop, built, created, born, supported to run Linux. And just tell them when you're checking out that Noah sent you. That's all I ask. So you know what? Noah told me about Linux. He switched me to Linux, and now I'm getting a System76. And thanks to Noah, you have this sale. Tell them that for me. <laughs> System76.com. All right, so I have, uh, I've opened up a beer that, uh, that Wes left with us, the Fremont uh, S- Session Pale Ale, to talk about this next part. Uh, so um, where do we start, Noah? Where do we start with this? We start by the fact that we have tried everything under the sun we can think of to reformulate the show and regenerate interest. We've tried dropping, going to audio only so that we could get out to different places. It yeah. did not go over well. <clears throat> we tried changing the format around. Some people yeah. liked it. Some people complained. Yeah. The, the only thing that seems to be consistent in, in all of our efforts to kind of change things is there seems to be a very steady voice of people that are unhappy with the, the, with the ultimate product that's coming out. And so, we don't want to do that. We don't <clears throat> want to release a product that people are unhappy with. Noah, um, Noah and I, since 2015, have been having a conversation of a lack of engagement with this show. And when I say engagement, I don't think of like like just one thing in particular. It's it's not like a retweet. It's 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 everything. It's comments on the subreddit. It's comments on YouTube. It's how many people reshare an episode when it comes out. How many people share with their friends. How many people post on Google Plus. How many people talk about it in the IRC. Like there is this metric which all other shows on this network are measured by. But for the last two years, the Linux Action Show has just been exempt from the only metric which I judge all other shows on this network by. And that is how engaged is the community. Linux Unplugged spanks the show on engagement. It's, it's, it's pathetic. This is a 10-year-old show. And it, it, really, came, it really came to a, I, I'll be completely honest, to a, to, a, to a conclusion for me two weeks ago. So uh, I've never asked you, Noah, so you don't have to say if you don't want to. You can say pass, but uh, how much would you estimate it costs you personally to cover scale this year? Oh, probably upwards of 2500 bucks. Yeah. If you, if you include everything in there. <clears throat> For a single episode. And now we've made two episodes out of it. Um, that was a unique perspective and coverage of scale. It's something no other Linux podcast did. It's something no other media outlet has done. And it got very little engagement, very little acknowledgement, very little sharing. 
And this and the problem is this show dies on the vine if our audience doesn't share it. So then the next week, we have Frank on from Nextcloud, right in the middle of a controversy where Nextcloud has been discovered to remote version check users and reports it to their ISPs, in which some cases ISPs have even sent letters to users telling them to shut down their Nextcloud instance. In the middle of this hoopla, we bring Frank on, the founder of the Nextcloud project, to break down what's going on. Then we manage to also bring in a conversation of the wider context of how it affects open source. And to date, we have had one comment about that interview. We've had zero reshares. It is supremely frustrating for us because the numbers, the download numbers are still good. We enjoy doing the show, but this metric in which all other shows on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network are measured by, LASS is failing. The audience seems to have begun to take the show for granted. The show's been around for 10 years. I was talking to Joe Resin. I was talking to Joe. I'll just, I won't, I, you know, I was just talking to somebody named Joe. I won't put it, I won't, I won't throw him under the bus. I was talking to somebody named Joe, and uh, he's a podcaster, and he said that perhaps the problem is that LASS is just the establishment. You know, Chris, part of the problem is you guys show up every Sunday. You do a show, and you've been doing that for 10 years. And so people just think you don't need help spreading the word. You're just going to be there. You're like a utility when it comes to the Linux community. But if this was an open source project, if this was a project in which we'd been around for a decade, but people weren't talking about it anymore, people weren't helping it grow anymore, this would be a project that is dying because the community is not getting engaged. And so for me, as somebody who makes their living doing this, I have to say, well, at some point, I have to change to something else before this one dies. Because if engagement goes down, then viewership will go down, and then sponsorships will go down, and then we're crashed. So you got to pivot before all of that happens. <clears throat> but then, like, part of me says, but I love doing this show still. I still enjoy doing the show. And I know I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but I believe you and I are pretty much in agreement all of this so far. Absolutely. 100%. In fact, it... it, it, it <laughs> to me, I'm I'm sitting on Venice Beach in California, and the only thing I can think of, like when right. you asked me, you sent me a message. You're like, "Oh, do you want to wait till three? I'm like, "Nope, I don't want to. Wait I want to do it right three. now. I want to go back and let's just start right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'd rather be doing this than anything else. But it it also it kills us after we after you know some episodes we spend a lot of capital on some episodes we think we just have something that's really unique and important to the open source community, and there's nothing. It's it's dead. And it's like there's this there's this portion of the audience that just listens and then just goes about their day, doesn't 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 advocate, doesn't tell anyone about it. And it, it, it I don't know what to do with that, because the problem is that leads to eventually a zombie show. And so. Noah and I have been talking about what we should do next, and we've been playing with the format of the show recently, seeing if we can find something that pleases everybody. And so far, we've managed to just piss everyone off. And so we've honestly wanted if maybe we should break it off into separate shows. Like you have a news show. You have a show that features something that we talk about, like in this case, scale. You have a show that just has picks of the week for Linux. And we break it off into many shows. And it's something that what I've noticed is there's new Linux shows that come up that have proportionally, they seem to me not have the same scale of content but they get a lot more engagement. They get a lot more sharing. They get a lot more people spreading the good word. They get a lot more people supporting them on Patreon. There's, a, there's all of this range of levels of engagement that you can measure that it seems to be that people are attracted to new and shiny. 
And when you're 10 years old, you're not new and shiny. You're not exciting anymore. You're not worth retweeting. Yeah, you know, and it might have cost those guys $2,500. Noah might have had to take a day or three off of work, and even though he runs his own business. Yeah, but you know what? I can't be bothered to click the retweet button. I can't be bothered to repost this. I can't be bothered to tell my friend about it. Because there's this new show of this new Linux podcast that just started a couple of weeks ago. And that's exciting. But the honest to God truth is, is we're working our asses off. We're working harder than a lot of those shows are. And, and But the problem is, it's not one piece of the show is applicable to everybody. If we break it off into individual chunks, it might be more shareable. It might be more enjoyable. It might, and, you, and we could still do it in a way that has feeds for everything if you want all of it at once. But I think what we're getting to is the show is, the show is closely approaching its 11th year. And I think we want to make some sort of change before the 11th year hits. I don't know, like, we don't have, like, a hard deadline, but something that's floating around in the back of our mind is Linux Fest Northwest is coming up. It's a great opportunity because we'll have a lot of people here. Noah will be here. We'll be, we'll be doing the show live together. It could be a great point. Like, if we're going to make a change, if we're going to end the show, if we're going to break it up, or if we're going to do whatever we, gonna, whatever we decide to do, that seems like the place that we're going to, that's going to be ground zero where we do it. What do, you, do you agree? I mean, we haven't. Yeah, I do. I mean, re and really, I guess what, what you're trying to drive home is it's not like you said, it's not the download numbers. Those are fine. It's it's the it's the it's the growth curve has it, it seems to have hit, hit a plateau and and we are not we're not moving anymore. We are retaining a lot of the same audience. We pick a couple new people up. But for the most part, we're not getting a lot of new engagement with people. And so somehow we have to find a way to change that. And if that's start a different show or if that's concentrate on existing shows that that JP's already doing a very good job, because I'll tell you, here's my fear, Chris, if you break it up into a lot of different um, segments, I have a feeling that you're all, the only kind of feedback you're going to get is a lot of people going to write in and they're just going to complain and say, I don't like these. I don't like the, this new show full of these segments. And then what are you left with? Then you're left with no show content whatsoever. Then you're you're left with, well, you might as well just concentrate on LUP and you might as well just concentrate on text now. And it seems like every time that just follows the, 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 the metric of every time we try to change the show to solve this problem. The only thing we're met with is a lot of people that complain about how they don't like the change, but we have to do something. Yeah, because the way it's, the way the, the trajectory we're on does not have a bright does not have a bright right. End. Right. It, it's it's sort of like we've we buy. It's sort of funny, no, because and maybe this is just obviously this is my perspective, but I feel like my reward for almost eleven years of doing this show is people are starting not to care anymore because they just kind of take it for granted. And I'm left with people that are not advocating for the show. And like any other project out there that you care about or any distribution you care about or any other podcast you care about, if you don't advocate for it. And it's, you know, the thing is, it's like it's not one thing. And I, I really want to super underscore this. It's, it's endemic to everything. It's the guests we have on don't necessarily always feel compelled to retweet where they might if they're on another show that's perhaps newer and younger and getting more established. Uh, our audience doesn't necessarily feel the need to advocate because, well, they've probably heard of the Linux Action Show. Or we don't need to support them on Patreon because they've got sponsors. Never minding right. the fact that this is a niche show dedicated at a niche audience. People that are enthusiastic about Linux are still a small percentage. If this was a MacBook podcast, we would immediately be, as, as pathetic as it sounds, we would be a larger demographic than a podcasts of folks that are willing to listen to stuff about Linux for over an hour every single week. Surprisingly, it's a small number of people. Now, we have 
very, 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 very gratefully carved out a nice chunk there. But it is it is not this ever expanding group of people. And if 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 the people that are listening don't advocate for this show, the show becomes a zombie. The sponsors pull out and then I'm left unemployed. And I I can't I am a father of three children and I have people who work for me. I can't just sit around and wait for that to happen. I have to take action right. before that happens, regardless of the fact that both Noah and I are You know what's funny, dude? Is it's it's, it's incredible to me. That I, as somebody who gets bored just driving the same way to work after a few months, I enjoy doing this show more today than I have in yeah. 10 years. Like, I sure. I love the hell out of doing this show. So to me, yeah, it's yeah. crazy that it seems to be like this big disconnect with the audience because I've never enjoyed doing the show more well, than I, I do right now. I, I, I think a big part of it is that right now it, it, it's gotten to, a, despite multiple pleas and despite presenting it in a thousand different ways, because any different way you say this, is, it, 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 it seems to offend somebody. But the reality is, is... I think you're getting I think you're getting burnt out on the fact that just barely cutting it or just barely cutting cutting it where I subsidize you know parts of you know yes. parts of, of doing the show that's not good enough anymore that's we very want true. to get to a part where we want to grow we want to do more things we want and and if and if that growth is going to be limited then just showing up and doing the show every week that's that's it's yeah. not good enough it's like we finally get to the point where we've got a business around this thing we've got our heads on how to produce this thing really solidly every single week we've got the contacts with the community and then this the enthusiasm dies out and it's like we just sort of fall dead it's like we fall flat it's like wait but at the apex would we when we needed your help and support more than ever like go look at the go look at the subreddit other people's podcasts get more upvotes than our own podcasts do in our own subreddit. Go look at the comments. Right. Go look at the lack of com. We got Frank on from Nextcloud in the middle of a controversy about remote scanning people's versions, and we put a, we put a stop to the internet drama right there on the show, and got a frank conversation, haha, <laughs> about it. And go look. There is one comment, one comment about it. Right. After after, and this show represents a week of work. Yeah, in that case, more than a week of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I I don't know where we're I don't know where this puts us, but we are beginning to we are beginning to reconsider essentially everything. Uh, and so Noah and I are going to be in Austin um, at the beginning of April, and uh, we would encourage you to meet up with us there. And we're going to be at Linux Fest, and I don't know if the show in its current form will continue after that. So. I would encourage you if if you've been if you've been around for a while, uh, reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts and try to make it to one of those events to at least celebrate what we've done so far. Uh, We're open to suggestions. If somebody out there is like, listen, I know how I know how we can I know how you guys can can uh, can rejuvenate and 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 get a lot of this stuff going and 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 take a different trajectory. We're all ears. Yeah, yeah. Part of me has and to actually, wonder, like, what if what if, what if we too. just what if we just stop doing the show and we focused on Ask Noah and User Air. Right, right, and in here, but here's the other part too. If if you're halfway through an angry email, just just stop. <laughs> it's not going to help. Yeah, it's just going to make things worse. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it seems yeah. like that's I mean, the we love kind of, doing the, the show. Kind of I mean, that's keep that in mind when it's your feedback. Is Noah and I love doing the show, and it's just that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I, engagement. I use the worst word I could think of because everybody thinks of like their favorite social media thing to hate, but it really is. It's like every, it's at every level. It's at, it's at every single level where the community can get involved. And I'm also, I'm also willing to the idea that maybe we should open up new avenues of communication with the community. Maybe, sure. maybe some of the existing avenues we have have just gotten old and stale. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to consider that as well. Uh, and so right now, those existing avenues would be Linux Action Show at Reddit.com. 
jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and irc.geekshed.net pound Jupiter Broadcasting. Also, the network is at Jupiter Signal. I am at Chris LES and he is at Colonel Linux. Now, before we go, though, Noah, there is an email I thought we could get to from uh, Shannon, I believe. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read it? Yeah, do do we, want... have, we, have, we have two. I think we have two. Oh, do we? Oh, yeah, we do. You're right. We have one from Aaron, too. My bad. Do you have one yeah. you want me to read over the other? I could read the first yeah, one I'll, if you want. Or yeah, you I'll, want I'll tell you what. I'll grab Shannon because the second one is a question for Okay, me. go for it. Shannon writes in. She goes, just some love, which actually timing of this is kind of interesting. Hey, Chris and Noah, I just wanted to reach out and show some support. Thank you for the time and energy and money that you put and research you put into the production of a high-quality show. My fiance, wow. Christopher, and I have been listening for a few years now. He loves what you do, and so do I. As a fiance... As my fiance has become more knowledgeable and passionate about Linux security, etc., he has so few people in the real-world social network to chat about, he can't dig in deep and dork over it without his eyes glazing over. You guys have been guides and my friends as he has worked on moving his career path forward uh, through tech. It's tough to feel the support of your viewers, especially when they become complacent on sharing on social media. Just as there is a ton of love, we have... Uh, for you guys coming over in Vermont, not with social media shares, guilty as charged. But I've also appreciated the time that you've spent talking about women in tech and women using Linux. I've got Ubuntu GNOME on my laptop, and I've become much more knowledgeable and confident with computer knowledge thanks to you both. This is coming from a very grudging tech user. We also love Unfilter, and we both think the intro is fine. <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> Wow, that's a current email right there. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Aaron writes, and that's a really just, thank you, Shannon. That's a really great email. I like the idea of people listening together, too. That's great. Aaron writes in with a firewall and reverse proxy question. He says, hey, guys, I'm looking for a good open source firewall and reverse proxy that has a nice web UI that I can quickly configure and monitor from. I use a Cisco ASA and an Nginx combo normally, but for the house. Uh, and uh, when money doesn't make sense. I have a limited number of external IPs, as you probably already would imagine. I kn- uh, he says, I've now got a home setup that I'd like to start hosting some things on. I'm demoing CashGuard, and it's nice, but it's only free for five users. Thanks very much. Now, I think you might have a recommendation where you could play around. I do. I was actually saving this for a uh, for a future episode, but as it turns out, that it may not be an opportunity for that. Yeah, and uh, it yeah. answers this guy's question. Might as well talk so, about it now. Might as well talk about it right now. <clears throat> There's a project I've been looking at following for quite some time. It's called Indian, E-N-D-I-A-N. We have a link in the show notes. And basically, it is a firewall router distribution. The great thing about Indian that I really like is not only is it a firewall Linux-based firewall distribution, uh, it also has pre-made factory-made devices so you if you decide oh. you like it if you yeah exactly so you try it at home you decide you like it and you decide you want to move into uh, your small office or your large office they have rack mount units available they have uh, just small little uh, basic enclosure things that you can buy that's kind of um, nice too if you're in the contracting biz or something like that as well right Right. And I'm always a big fan of anything that allows people to take the technology and play with it at their house before they invest any real money. And so yes. you can just download the ISO and play with it completely Linux-based. So it's kind of like a competitor to PFSense, you might say. But I believe it will do all the things you're looking at. I've been playing with it. I've been super impressed with it so far. I have, you know, along this category, I will put out a, uh, and to you, Noah, or anyone in the audience, a request. Does anybody know of a great alternative to Cradle Point? So in the Lady sure. Jupes RV, I've got the Cradle Point. Uh, it's got like a little hub built into it, and it's so fantastic because it's a firewall that works with different types of MiFi's, and it can work over Wi-Fi. It can connect over USB to a MiFi. It can also connect to external do- Wi-Fi's and do Wi-Fi as WAN. It's the perfect solution for in the RV moving around, except for 
it crashes about twice a day. And uh, it can crash when I'm doing a large data transfer, especially if I do a large data transfer over Wi-Fi, it'll crash. Um, it can crash when the MiFi network gets congested. Um, it just crashes at least twice a day for various reasons. I love the Cradle Point, and I'm very thankful for the functionality of it. Uh, it, it makes using a, uh, a, a an LTE connection essentially transparent. And I, even like when, you know, because here's the thing about that I've discovered about MiFi's. You can hook them up over USB, and that'll work solid for like 22 days, 23 days. And then on day 24, it just like the USB connection just dies. And the nice thing about CradlePoint is I can set it up like in a priority list. It will fall back to the Wi-Fi connection and just – and it's totally – it's double natting, but it's totally transparent to me. And that's really nice from a user perspective, like just totally don't have to worry about it, except for the fact that about – Every other day, I'm in the middle of a large R-Sync, and it just goes dead because my Cradle Point crashes. So if anybody knows of a solid replacement for Cradle Points that essentially has that functionality, I'd love to know about it. Does anything jump out at you? Is that nothing Microtech offers? Or? Yeah, Microtech does offer uh, a similar thing, but I'm not... I, I I've never tried it enough to uh, to tell you confidently that it would that it would work any better than the than the Cradle Point. The, I've used Cradle. I think I might have even been the one that recommended it to you. But we've oh we've I love it. Cradle I mean it works you know for what it that's, does. That's what we that's what we've used is is in places where they need something to fail over. We've used Cradle Point and like you said it works it works reasonably well. But yeah, um, and and I'll, I'm going to keep using it in the meantime. And and the nice thing about R Sync is that obviously that's why I use R Sync is because it's fairly recoverable from a situation like that. So it's it's not the end of the world. It's just I have to remount the uh, the share, then I have to restart rsync, and yeah, you know, so it's a little annoying. I have to notice it because it's a, usually it's an overnight backup that dies on me. And then of course when it goes out, all of the devices quit working while the Wi-Fi network restarts and all of that kind of junk. But other than other than that daily inconvenience, it's, it's actually a super neat setup. And if you're on the go, or if you have an RV or something like that where you want connectivity, and you sometimes go to parks that have Wi-Fi. Or you have different MiFi vendors like I do. I have multiple MiFi's. It is, it is such a cool solution for combining all of that and making it easy to switch between all of that. Yeah, and 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 I have it running, you know, with like a, uh, I think it's gigabit. Although my most of my devices have actually connected 100 megabit, but it also has a little bit of an Ethernet hub in it, which is super nice too. I just would love to get it with something a little more like production grade because I hate. I would hate to be doing a show on the road. And have that stupid thing go out. Because it seems to be whenever you're doing a lot of data transfer, that's when it dies. So that, go figure, right? That, I'd be like, yeah, hi, Noah, let's do the... And it would cut out. That's a <laughs> So <laughs> I just want to replace it before that happens. All right. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. We've covered a lot. We'd like to get your feedback. And please help support the show by letting people know about it. Friends, family, anybody else that might be of the Linux persuasion, let them know. Get involved, too, at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. Give us your feedback at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And Noah, where can people find you throughout the week? At Kernel Linux, I'm on Twitter, and at Ultaspeed is the company site. Oh, you can follow me. I'm at Chris LES on the Twitter. The network is at Jupiter Signal. My personal vlog, youtube.com slash Chris Fisher, where we talk about all kinds of things like behind the scenes of Linux Unplugged and also visiting animal farms. You never know what you're going to get. You can find it all over there at youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. Okay, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show! And we'll see you right back here next week. At scale, I lost my, I had a bag, like a swag bag, and I put, like, I was in a rush to leave my hotel room because I <clears throat> overslept for last. And uh, I threw all of my stuff in the swag bag. And I was like, there we go. <laughs>
do that. So I threw all my stuff in, in the swag bag and I walk in and people were like super, super helpful with the fact that I was running late. So like three people come up and they're like, here, let me get your bag, Noah. And so like three people just took stuff and I was like, okay, whatever. And then like two other people were helping me like set the camera up and get the laptop up and all this was great. And then I just, I wasn't thinking about anything other than doing last. So we get on the air, we do the show and I get done with the show. And I realized that the entire hall has been taken down kind of around me. And part of that is that all of my stuff, like there are like 15 people around when I started, they're all now gone. So I'm like, huh, well, I should probably start. Tra- I don't know who these people are. I don't know what their names are. I don't know where they are. So I'm like, well, I probably should start figuring out who all those people were and where all my stuff went. So I'm tracking down these people and I eventually find all the guys. And um, one of them was somebody I've been hanging out with all weekend. And he had taken a, a, a couple different things of mine and i got most of them back but i forgot about this swag bag with all of my like chargers and batteries and cables and everything in it i'm getting ready to get on the airplane the next day and i'm like trying to charge up the uh yep and i'm trying to charge up my uh my cell phone and stuff like that and i realize i don't have my cell phone charger i don't have any of my micro usb cables i don't have my little battery pack that i take with me and i have so many redundant things like you know i have a a wall charger, then I have a car charger, then I have a, a USB charger thing that goes in my laptop, then I have a little battery bank. So, and like all of them are just not there. So I'm like, oh well. So I'm down to a single micro USB cable, and I was gonna have him ship me that swag bag back, and I'm like, well, I'll be back in California in like three days, so maybe that's not necessary. So I, I got here yesterday back in California, and I was like, I should go pick up that bag with all my chargers, and I haven't had time to do it yet, so I still am charging my phone off of my laptop at the moment. Um, it's been it's been just shit. Like I've, you've already heard me bitch about how shitty it's been here. Just nothing but right. rain. So now we've got like floods and all kinds of shit around here because it's just been nothing but rain. And uh, two days ago, this is how much it still hurts. Two days ago, I'm leaving. It's Tuesday. I get done with unplugged. I get all the post show stuff done. Wes is still in the studio recording tech snap. And the wind and the rain stop. I jump in the truck and I start heading home. And I get 90% home. Like, I am I am in the last couple of minutes away from, from the RV. And I look back and I realize, you know, there's a shot over there I really would like to get. I should just stop, turn around, and go take a shot of it. I look in my back seat. I don't have my drone with me. I've left it at the studio. 90% of the way home. So I get all the way home. I turn it back around, drive all the way back to the studio, and get the drone. I pack up the drone, and I head out, and the weather conditions get even better. The sun comes out from behind the clouds. I start to get a little golden hour effect, which we have not had in weeks. Things really start to light up. I find a field. I pull off on this field right next to this massively over-flooding uh, river that's just, like, dumping into the field. There's swans in the field. It's all green, and there's one fucking tree in the field with the sun just blasting it, dude. It's beautiful. And I put the drone up in the air. I start to fly towards the tree because I'm going to get this epic pass-by shot and then right up into the swans, right? And I look down to hit record, no SD card. Oh, Jesus. And I tell you what, man, just like your power system, I have a system, dude. Yeah. I have a system when it comes to that SD card because it's bit me once before. And like, I, I like, I, I, like, I'm trying to rack my brain, like, how could this happen? I have a system that never fails. What, what went wrong? And I miss the shot, and it still smarts. We still, we, we still haven't gotten sun like that. It stings, Noah. It stings so bad. I yeah. wanted that shot so bad. 
And you know what's a, what's a pain is why can't DJI put some sort of system in there where it can have like a built-in... I know, like four there. gigs just, even, dude. Just let me well, get and, like and, a couple and, of minutes. And really, all it needs to do is cache long enough to transfer to your phone or yeah. tablet or yeah. whatever. Well, know? and there is like a version that goes to my phone, but it won't even bother doing it if there's not SD storage. What I get in the phone is the wirelessly transmitted signal, which is usually yeah. pretty good, but it's... It's it's not nearly as good as the full 4K 100 frames per second or I mean 100 FP uh, 100 100 megabit per second uh, right. footage. I was just I I and then and it was uh, like Hadi and I had like a, like a kind of like a date night plan and like so it was on my way home to the date night and then I had this in like for days I've been waiting to get this one shot because then then my next vlog's done like this is the shot I am waiting for and I'm just right. sitting on vlog footage until I have this shot and I'm like this yep. is it and I even turned around dude I turned around and drove all the way back and got the drone came back up and I to be out there in the field dude and 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 to have that sunlight come out from behind the clouds right as I'm setting up and just be like this oh, moment fly the drone up in the air the drone's flying and I look down and there's and I just like I. I had to just stand there and like there's nobody to be mad at. It's nobody's fault but my own. It was my bad. I hate that. I hate that when <laughs> I don't have somebody else to blame. I know. And honestly, it's a lot better when you can blame it on somebody else's yeah. incompetence or stupidity. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. And it's like and I, what I, what I what I can't grasp is like I have this system where <clears throat> that micro SD card never is it's either in the reader or the drone and it never goes anywhere else. Like I never set it right. down. Like I my rule is like even if I have to hold the damn thing for an hour, I will hold it until I get to the spot it needs to go, and I will not put it down. So somehow I, I put it down, and oh, this wood, this wood, this wood mat I have is just not the right size. It's just, it's not the right size. Just okay. And then can you come down one hair? One only one hair though. Hold on, let me get a. Hair. No, if you can't, that's fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I can. In fact, hey, even better. I even have. See that. That is a hair. So I know exactly. Oh. Far down to come. Oh, Look at right. that. Okay. All right. Okay. How's all that? Right. Uh, it's good. Uh, That's good. Uh, uh. All right. Here we go. It is the news. And if no one quits screwing around.